0: Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball.
1: You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs podcast on CrackSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you. Phil, I am ready to start this season. It is almost here.
0: Oh, my God. It's, so by the time people listen to this, it will be seven days, which may be seven of the longest days of this season, but, you know, we're, we're so close.
1: Yeah, so basically, we're gonna preview the season for those of you who have been listening to us for a long time. Uh, first of all, thank you. Secondly, you know, we usually start each season by just going through the schedule, game by game, and just giving a win-loss prediction on what we think Marquette's record will be. And uh, spoiler alert: get ready for some optimism
0: in this mm, podcast. Mm. It's gonna be it's gonna like, be wh- insufferable.
1: Yeah, not ju- and not just the uh, optimistic fill level that you're used to. It may go to a new level, but we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, we'll maybe just touch on a few news items as the season gets going, as things kick off. As there always are, there are preseason teams, preseason predictions, uh, and things like that. There are a couple secret scrimmages, which I don't know how strong our takes can be on that, considering there's no video, really no box score from those things. And by definition, they're
0: secret, apparently, but not secret. So, you know, who's to say? They
1: did happen, or maybe didn't happen. Uh, Meanwhile, Canson, Illinois had a scrimmage that was on Big Ten Network. (laughs) It's like, that would have been cool to have. But... um, no, let's, let's first talk uh, Big, Big East Media Day, Phil. And to really no one's surprise, Marquette was picked first in the Big East preseason poll that is done by the coaches. Um, I, the only surprise for me is that UConn did not get a first-place vote. Uh, Marquette was got seven of the 11 first-place votes in the preseason poll done by the coaches, so Shaka couldn't vote for himself, so I guess that means he voted for Creighton. Right. Um, Creighton got the other four first place votes other than Marquette's that was the only surprise for me but other than that there was really nothing that really stood out as far as what the coaches picked team that won the league last year brings back everybody even though the reigning national champs are still in there um I thought UConn might get a first place vote or two but Marquette being picked first in the preseason certainly didn't surprise me no it
0: it didn't I, I I am dying to know who Dan Hurley uh voted for um yeah, that would be
1: i'm curious about that too Actually, yeah
0: that would be interesting i mean it's one of two but i i have a sneaking suspicion he was uh one of the two creighton uh, or one of the four creighton voters or so then shaka dan hurley and then two others out there were creighton voters uh is my my suspicion because i don't think there is any way on this gro- god's green earth that dan hurley is going to support marquette being the the number <laughs> one team in the conference
1: yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, he's got his ring, so he can enjoy that. But um, but yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, as far as the conference goes, Marquette is on top until they are knocked off. And they looked great a year ago. And Tyler Kolick is your preseason player of the year. Um, I guess technically that means he's on the first team. Even, it's just it's, a weird thing for me. You name a first team that's five players plus the player of the year. So to me by my communications major math, that would be six players on your first team. I think it should be five. (laughs) I think it should be five players, including your player of the year, but I digress. Yeah. Um, Well,
0: the, the whole system is kind of screwy because basically you're voting on players to be on first and second teams. And based on the number of votes they get, they accrue points and then they get slotted either into, you know, preseason player of the year, the first team, the second team, and then there's a ever-changing number of players on honorable mention. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, why do we even have teams? Just say, these are the top ten players in the Big East. Call the day.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Talacolik, I mean, again, it's probably an easy call for most people voting on that if the reigning player of the year is back. No really reason to overthink it and pick anybody else. Uh, and then uh, Cam and uh, Oso were preseason Big East second team. So, I, you know, when when you're bringing back a squad that's as loaded and as experienced at this, you're going to get some preseason recognition. And the thing I've loved, really, I really don't have a whole lot of takes on those preseason predictions because that's really all they are. But what I've loved most, Phil, is in some of the interviews, the team has really not shied away at all from not just. Big East championship talk, but national championship talk. They're they haven't like downplayed that at all. They have mostly said to whomever they've been has been asking, say, yeah, we want to be one of the best teams in the country. We think we are, and we think we can win a national title.
0: Right, absolutely. And and we talked, we noted it in the last podcast that they are, you know, one hundred percent playing up the expectation. And then, you know, uh, what'll be fascinating to see is. You know and we'll we'll get into our projections for uh for the schedule but uh, I'll be fascinated to see how that national championship talk stands up when we if if and when we run into a bump in the road right like God forbid we hit we lose two games in a row or something like that you know are they is that gonna have a a negative consequence are they like no nope, hey you know you have bad games stuff happens we're we're you know the goal is is still the same I think I think there's just an exuberance of confidence which uh is kind of fun to watch
1: yeah i think cooler heads would tell you that you know you're probably not going undefeated and you can withstand a loss here and a loss there and just say yeah well bump in the road just happens sometimes we're still one of the best teams in the country and uh, all the best teams that have won national titles know that right like even uh, like connecticut knew Went into that tournament last year, knowing they were probably still one of the best teams in the country, and they were confident that they could win the whole thing, and they did, despite the losses they took in Big East play. And uh, the thing is, I thought Marquette, when they did take losses last year, they bounced back well, pretty much every time. Right. Uh, I mean, there was there was really not a game last year. That they really came out and just laid an egg. Maybe you could say at UConn was the only game when they came out and it was pretty evident right away it was going to be their night. But there was really never a time where they lost a game and they came out the next night and still looked flat, right? right? It, they, I, I thought, I think we've talked about this on the show before, is how Shaka and his staff seem to always have a a plan and a good. They do a good job of keeping this team motivated and being able to refocus and having themes and uh, things they talk about in practice and. Uh, basically keeping it fun for the players game to game and they they always seem to be refocused and ready for their next opponent
0: yeah and and you know if you think about it all the critical players on this team unlike last year have been through a a full season right the the top top six top seven players on this roster have have been through an entire season of non-conference and big East. so you know, whether it's preparing their bodies or preparing themselves mentally for the the slog and the length of the season, there aren't going to be any surprises, right? Um, You know, last season we saw a little bit, there was a, a stretch of games there probably in, what, February? Where, where Oso Iguodaro was, you know, you could almost see there was a little bit of a wall there. He just, his numbers weren't quite as good, that sort of stuff. And then he, he rebounded. I'm not sure we're going to, I mean, we could see something like that, but I think this, the team, especially in the, the top, top contributors are going to be, um, you know, fired up and ready to contribute immediately and, and, and not miss a beat throughout the season. You know, they know it's a marathon and not a sprint.
1: And this team may have just a little bit more depth than last year. I guess we have to get a look at the freshmen to, before we really make that declaration. But, um, As much as you're going to miss uh, Omax, who's uh, in the NBA now with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, you know, Joplin presumably steps into a starting role, but then you have the guys behind him who... Barely play, who didn't play a ton last year, but you know, in limited minutes, guys like Chase Ross and Ben Gold uh, and Sean Jones had good minutes, but they will come back and anticipate more minutes. And then these freshmen in the scrimmage, in the uh, like in the preseason practices, and by all indication, uh, some of these young guys look like they are ready to go. And I still expect a ton of minutes from the freshmen necessarily, but um, when they're called upon, I expect some of these new guys to be ready to go.
0: Yeah and, and barring, you know, an, inju- an injury of significance, you know, you can kind of ease those freshmen into the in into the uh into the flow of the game, right? They're not expected to step in and and take major minutes from day one, right? Like unlike, you know, David Joplin last year, right? He had to, you know, he had to step in and and play significant minutes um, you know, despite having limited to no minutes in his in his freshman years, So um you know it's it's gonna be um it's gonna be like the ultimate flexibility that we haven't had um in the last couple of years right we can if if someone's having a bad game or a bad week we've probably got the depth to be able to uh uh to withstand that or or find a a replacement or or somehow um you know ride through right we've we've got some some options that uh, we haven't had in the past
1: yeah, and, and yeah, in that same vein, not that we would wish this on anybody, but if maybe one player is just not performing up the standards, right? There's going to be a guy in practice who's going to be ready to take his minutes.
0: Right, right, exactly. So, Ed, I mean, it's nice to have depth. I mean, there's probably an argument for Shaka being able to go ten deep with this roster, right? Um, certainly, certainly, in some of the. Uh, I'll say lesser games, right? Um, I don't know against... The bye games, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know in against the likes of Purdue or Kansas or UConn or Creighton if we're going to get that deep in the bench. Um, but, you know, the buy games in the nine conference and quite frankly, some of the bottom dwellers in the Big East, we can, you know, you can play Trey Norman or Zaid Lowry for fairly significant minutes against maybe a DePaul or a Georgetown. And, and uh, you know, I shouldn't say not worry, but, you know, they should be able to absorb those minutes and contribute um, that, that allows us to kind of even in the season get some breaks that maybe we haven't been able to in the past.
1: Yes, yeah, if there's maybe a stretch where maybe you have uh, two games in four or five days, right? Right. Uh, and maybe – legs are getting a little tired. So, yeah, I think all these young guys are going to want to contribute, and um, I think they'll all settle into their roles, whatever Shaka and the staff define them to be, Um, because I think that's something Shaka has always done pretty well is uh, make every guy on the roster from your starter, leading scorer, to the 12th or 13th man to make them all feel important, the walk-ons even, have a role to fill, even if it's just – you know standing and clapping for your teammates over there on the bench. He um, makes everybody feel important. He just he does a great job of making sure team unity is there.
0: right. Yeah and, and that there and and I think that's the other thing aside from the the I'll say rational confidence uh, that we're seeing from the team is is you know early days they haven't run into it in any adversity, but really feels like uh, the players on the team are, connected playing for each other um, really engaged I think that was the entire point of the uh, the European trip other than extra practices to get this team you know some some more run but you know I think it was really about the the positive vibes and building as a team and, and getting to know and respect one another and and I think we're seeing that in the media days I mean all all five starters went to went to New York City and you know mm-hmm. social media is to be believed they seem to have, a good
1: time. Well, I'd be having a good time too if everybody was telling me I was awesome.
0: Yeah, that is true. Joe, do, do <laughs> like, I not tell you're you right you're you're awesome enough? I should do more of that, huh?
1: Well, I, I you you do sometimes, but you know, if like everyone was writing about it in the newspaper and you know on television, I would I would just feel so great about myself. Right. But right, uh, that's true. But yeah, it, there's no uh, there's no F-em, there's no disrespect, there's no nobody believes in us this year, right? There's there's absolutely none of that because. I think everybody believes in them now. Maybe there may not be a ton of people saying they can win the national title, uh, but I don't think like even I don't think anybody would deny that that's a possibility. If we're to like, even if like say you go through all the national animus analysts and they all pick their national champion and they throw out Kansas or Purdue or uh, Duke or whoever, uh, if they were if you ask that same person, well, what about Marquette? They would probably say, well, yeah, they could do it too. Right, but. Maybe not, they may not be the first choice uh, among most people.
0: Right. Well.
1: But I, I yeah. Mean, there's, there's none of. There's none of the. None of the. Hey. Well. Nobody thinks we can do anything. A lot of people they like, think these. Te- this team can do a lot of things.
0: Right. Well. But I mean also Marquette is ranked five in the AP poll. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. You know. It is relatively reasonable for for a team ranked yeah. in the top five to say hey we've got as good a shot at that at that number at that national championship as as anyone else did I mean long right you know I think the one of the things we've seen in the last decade at college basketball is you know everybody's favorite curse word of parody right you know there it's if you if you are in the top 10 you know, I don't think we've seen a clear, like, this is the number one, no way they lose in quite some time, right? Like, even Purdue last year was, oh, they're going to go to the Final Four, and they pulled a Virginia, right? And and so I think Marquette is well-earned to say, hey, we, we've got as good a chance as anyone, and in fact, better than most, um, to, to, to get to, to Phoenix in April and, you know so it's going to be an exciting journey to to get there and and quite frankly the schedule is set up exactly to build for, you know, a top 1 top 2 seed should you uh, perform the way you expect to perform.
1: Yeah, so I guess the the big question is Phil, is how many games will this team win this year? Can I say all of them? And I think uh, I I When I was going through my prep, I really tried to not put down 31-0 just for the sake of making this podcast interesting and just, you know, to stay in character.
0: Right. Correct. Correct. Now, for it to be really in character, you have to have predicted fewer wins than me. So...
1: Yes. Yeah. Like, for those... I did actually... I do... Uh, I have been keeping track of our history when it comes to, to these picks. So... um yeah, so before, so we've been doing this podcast since the 13 14 season, and we kind of started mid season that year, so we didn't do it that year. But pretty, but every season since then, except for the uh, the COVID year that started late when we did weren't even sure how many games were going to be played, uh, we have done a preseason prediction of how many games Marquette is going to win, and. For the, the 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 short summary is I was more on the money in the Wojo years, Phil was closer in the Shaka years because I am the more pessimistic, I'm not sure type fan, and Phil is the eternal optimist. And being the eternal optimist has worked out quite well for Phil during the Shaka years. Absolutely. So uh yeah, just uh, j- yeah, just a quick rundown. So, like, fourteen, like starting in fourteen, fifteen. Phil was five games too optimistic, as was I. Actually, that was uh, we were both overshot it that year the following year 15-16 Phil overshot their record by six wins I overshot it by two I was two games too optimistic um, the following year 16-17 Phil just two games too optimistic uh, he was coming down to my level a little bit I was actually right on the money that year 19-11 and 10-8 and in the Big East the next year 4-3 and three, Phil was four wins too optimistic I was one same next year I was one Phil was just two games and then uh, the last year of Wojo, 1920. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, yeah. that Yeah, 1920, that was the last year. No, it wasn't. That was the next to last year of Wojo, 1920. Phil was seven games too optimistic. Uh, I was just two that season. Then uh, the COVID year, we didn't do it. But then Shaka came in. First year of Shaka, Phil, right on the money. Even though one game was canceled, we gave them credit for it. the The team went nineteen and twelve, or the team went nineteen and 11, 11 and eight in the Big East. That Phil had it right on the money. Uh, there, there was one game that wasn't played that Phil had them winning, but uh, gave that to him. They would have won that pessimistic. game. Pessimistic, anyway. yeah, yeah, they would have. Uh, I was four games under the estimation, and last year, whoo boy. Talk about exceeding expectations. Yeah, uh, even Phil's optimistic expectation of 22 and nine was three games too short, and that was still five games better than what I had. I had them eight games worse than what they actually were. I had 17 and 14 last year, 10 and 10 in the Big East, and as we all know, they went 25 and six, 17 and three overall, and won the dang thing.
0: So let, let me just tell you, spoiler alert: I've fixed the problem.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: That we're 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 not going to undershoot this year. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, even I'm going to be pretty optimistic in this one. But uh, I think we could actually make this like a five minute pod. Phil, and we could just go through the games we have them losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and scene. and we're done. No, so we'll just go quickly. We're not going to break down each team because then it would turn into a, like a five hour podcast. And you know, some of you are sick enough that you would listen to a five hour. Yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's true. But we're not going <laughs> to. But we're not <laughs> going to do sickos. that. Sickos. Uh, Maybe if you're on a transatlantic flight, maybe you would want to do that. But, no, so uh, maybe just a quick touch on each. We probably won't dive. We're definitely not going to dive into each team. But, hey, by the way, if you do want to dive into each team, go to cracksidewalks.com. Alan Bukowski has done a short write-up on every team on Marquette's schedule. So if you want to read up about Illinois, UCLA, you can read up on them. If you want to read up on the bye games like Northern Illinois or Southern, all of them. And, of course, every Big East team, Alan Bukowski has a write-up on every team on Marquette's schedule if you want to learn a little bit more about them. But for our purposes, we're just going to uh, just kind of blow through win or loss. Maybe we might stop down for a breakdown quickly here or there. But Phil, you ready to go through it?
0: I am 100. I'm in. I'm I'm excited.
1: Okay. So again, we don't need to overthink the bye games too much for this exercise. I assume you have them starting two and zero over Northern Illinois and Rider. Absolutely.
0: Probably by a combined score differential of like sixty.
1: Yeah, I I would think those two games are easy. Now then, after that on the November fourteenth, they play at Illinois. Um, now this one, Phil, I I am a little nervous about this because it has like a bit of a uh, a trap game feel because you got Maui on the horizon and Northern Illinois, and not Northern but Illinois, the Fighting Illini. They are. Uh, a preseason top twenty-five team. Uh, this a ga- this is actually a game Ken Palm has Marquette as a slight underdog in, but I'm going to give the team the benefit of the doubt and say they go to Champagne and defeat the Illini, and what is apparently going to be the final uh, Gavitt game in the foreseeable future because the Big Ten, being the bunch of dorks that they are, they don't want to do it anymore.
0: Yeah, they're they're tired of uh, you know you know not uh, not winning, so you know that's fine um so in this last gava game i do have marquette winning um i think you have to start off with a win here right if you're gonna if you're gonna talk a big game and and with maui coming up right afterwards i think the team has to be focused and and they will be focused i also believe i i saw that this is a sellout as well so i'm i'm curious if there's a lot of University of Illinois buzz in in Southern Illinois or is you know are there some Marquette fans traveling there as well? Does that you know I'm not saying this is going to be a majority Marquette fans, but could we see a, yeah, it's not 70, a DePaul 30 game. 60 40 you know there there might be think- there might be some some pretty decent Marquette crowd there.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't go as high as the 40s, but yeah, I think there'll be some blue and gold in the arena. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously the state of Illinois, right outside, you know, right behind Wisconsin, probably has the most Marquette fans as any state in the country. Correct. So I, I would imagine there would be a few, a little bit of blue and gold in Champagne, but it, it won't. Again, it's not going to be like a DePaul game hmm. where it's you know <laughs> where it's 60-40 in our favor. Right. Right. Um, but you know, I. I I do have that as a win, so uh, I got him starting three and zero as well. So then we go to Maui, or in this case Honolulu, as of course the Maui Invitational has been moved to the University of Hawaii for this year due to the fire, due the wild, due to the fires that have devastated Maui. We have talked about it a little bit on the pod, Phil. But uh, just a kind of refresher for. Uh, well, first, let's give you the just our UCLA picks. Then maybe we'll talk about the bracket as a whole. Do, do you have them winning their first game against UCLA, which it like Marquette is another preseason uh, pretty highly rated team. I think they're in the Ken Palm top twenty um, in the preseason. So this is a good squad they're facing in their uh, first game in Hawaii. Yeah,
0: I, I do have them uh, uh, having them beating UCLA because you know I think Marquette's a good team and. And screw Mick Cronin as well. So that's that's all the reasons I need.
1: <laughs> I think that's plenty of reason enough. Yeah. I think yeah, I think UCLA will be quite a challenge, but uh, I, I do like Marquette's experience to come through there here in the uh in the tournament format. but So, you know, we talked to, uh, before about the difference in schedule strength, whether you win that first game or lose it. But, uh, you know, as I thought about it, I want to walk it back just a little bit because it's going to be a good strength of schedule either way. The bottom line is just that second game. Because assuming Kansas beat Shamanad, which, oh come on. good uh, lord. Yeah. Uh, so if you win, if you beat UCLA, you get Kansas. If you lose to UCLA, you're probably getting Chaminade. So, obviously a game against a, I think Chaminade's Division Three now, um, that game does nothing for your strengths of schedule. Absolutely nothing, whether you win it by 100 points or whatever. It's just kind of a... You just going through it's almost like a scrimmage, really. Um, but the good news, uh, the thing is, if you do have to go to the loser's bracket, don't forget on the top side of the bracket, uh, Gonzaga and Purdue play each other. So the loser of that game is going to be on that side of the bracket. So if you beat Shamanod, you're probably playing the loser of Gonzaga Purdue. So that'll be another awesome game. So you're going to get at least two great games in Maui. You would love three, gate ga- three great games in Maui, and that's what you're getting if you go to the winner side. Because if you go to the winner side, you get Kansas, and then depending on what happens there, you're probably you're going to get either the Purdue Gonzaga winner or Tennessee. Probably, because on the top side of the bracket, Tennessee's playing Syracuse. Syracuse is the one uh, Division One team in this that is not in the national, I want to say top, like 70 on Ken Palm. Like, Syracuse is way down there in the preseason right. predictions. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb. Again, upsets happen, whatever, but Tennessee's going to be Syracuse, I think, in that first game. So you're going to get three awesome games if you go to the winner side, which is what Phil and I have predicted. So as far as our little exercise here, Phil, uh, how many games do you have Marquette winning in Maui
0: I have them going some combination of two and one
1: in Maui I'm on the same wavelength I I, look I'm gonna be there so I would love to be there and see Marquette win a Maui invitation by the way the winner of this tournament almost certainly will be the number one team in the country yep uh the following week because even if some of these teams come in with a loss uh they're still going to be highly ranked and you're going to to win this tournament you're gonna have to beat three good teams um so whether you're Kansas, who is probably going to come in, still ranked number one, or Purdue, who might be ranked number one coming in, or uh, even if you're Tennessee or UCLA and you win, or Gonzaga and you win this thing, the teams you're going to have to beat is going to pad an already impressive preseason, early season resume. So the team that wins Maui is probably going to be number one in the country the following week. But I'm with you. I think predicting wins over both Kansas and Purdue – is probably getting a little crazy if we're walking out of schedule and a uh, prediction for a record. So I also have them going 2 and 1 uh, in Hawaii. So that's where I have them taking their first loss. But uh, So maybe they lose to Kansas. Maybe they shot Kansas, but then they get matched up with Purdue and lose to Zach Eady and crew. But yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I think I feel good with a 2 and 1 prediction for Maui. Um, yeah. The Maui Invitational heading it.
0: Well, and regardless of the outcome, right? Like, Marquette could. I, Marquette's going to come away with at least one win. I think that's fair to say, right? We're going to get one. Yeah,
1: as long as hopefully it's not Chaminade. Right. right. Hopefully it's a win other than just beating Chaminade. Because if you lose to UCLA, okay, you you'd go through the motions of beating Chaminade, and then hope you get a chance at redemption by maybe beating uh, potentially Gonzaga if right. they lose to Purdue. Or maybe you get Purdue if they get beat by Gonzaga. So you could get another awesome win on the. The backside. So there's still potential to have some nice little uh, resume padding if you do drop the UCLA game. But again, I think they beat UCLA. Maybe they lose to Kansas after that, but then get a shot at uh, that would be Tennessee in that scenario, probably. Uh, but again, we'll see how the whole bracket plays out.
0: But I think the thing to keep in mind is this is the greatest Maui invitational field ever, like bar ever. none, ever, right? So yeah. on Ken Palm, you've got Purdue 1, Kansas 2. Gonzaga, five. Tennessee, eight. Marquette, 11. Uh, and then you go down to UCLA at 26. So you've got, you know, six out of the eight teams. And then Syracuse is 105, and Chaminade, Chaminade is somewhere off the board, basically. But you've, for all intents and purposes, six out of the eight teams are top 25 Kenpom teams. That's nuts. Right.
1: Yeah. And if any and if any of those six win, they would be number one in the country, even if UCLA wins, right? Because right. they would have the I mean potentially a win over Marquette, Kansas, and Purdue. That'll get you the number one team in the country.
0: Well and so, and a lot is, on the line. And think how crazy this is. Uh, Purdue, Kansas, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette, though at least one of those teams is going one and two in this tournament. Mm hmm. Yep, absolutely. By by, just by the math, they have to, you know. And so you're talking about essentially one of uh, one one of the top ten teams in the country is is going to go one and two in the Maui Invitational. So, like, that's how strong this Invitational is. That's where you know, as long as Marquette is put, you know, tur- things in tournaments, you know, single game elimination tournament, right, essentially tournaments, things go weird, things go squirrely. So, like. I think they win at least two but if they win one out of two one out of three again as long as it's not shamanad then you know the, you know that that is in of itself maybe not the victory we wanted but it's certainly not like we shouldn't be coming home hanging our heads either
1: yeah, exactly, and I, I think that's just the the scenario one you, you want to avoid. Avoid is that's why I, I still say the UCLA beating UCLA is so important yeah. because if you get that, you go one and two. Beyond that, if your two losses are to Kansas and Tennessee, well, oh well, that's still a pretty good looking resume. If your two losses are Kansas and Tennessee. Um, or if, But if you go the other way, you lose to UCLA and your only win in is Chaminade and then you lose to maybe Gonzaga in the last game. I mean, the ske- the, the losses aren't awful, but um, you would like a better win to come out of that as far as padding your resume. Right.
0: Yep, exactly. So, so yeah, we've – I mean, we'll have an entire Maui Invitational preview pod, you know, theoretically before you get on a plane, but uh, – uh, Oh my God! Can you can you be wearing some Maui Jim sunglasses
1: while you do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I I had my microphone away while I said that. I said maybe I could do that pod uh, from the beach, but yeah, maybe I could do a uh uh pod from the beach, and I, I'll wear Maui Jim sunglasses. Absolutely, okay, I can do perfect. That. Something to look forward to. All right, again, we'll we'll worry, worry about that in a couple weeks, but. All right, so we're enough Maui talk for now. So they come back from Hawaii. They play Southern, which I assume you have as a win, although it may be a, a sloppy win because, you know, the body clock thing. But uh, still, it's a perfect time to play Southern when you're coming back from
0: Hawaii. Yeah, the, the schedule was built with all of this in mind and intentionally so. I've got that as a win. I think it'll be a little ugly, but yes, it'll be a win.
1: Okay, so then you get your body clocks right after that, and then the Dirty Badgers coming up starting in December. Um, look... We know our audience here. I'm not predicting a loss to the Badgers now, in the past, or ever in the future. Of course, I'm going to predict a win here. Although, it will certainly be a challenge. Ken Palm does have this as a loss for Marquette for what it's worth. I do not. I
0: I think Ken Palm is garbage and should be ignored. Marquette wins.
1: <laughs> Agree. Moving on. Uh, we'll talk much more about that. Uh, we have so, a whole week but, for that. All right, so th- yeah, yeah, we have plenty of time for that. All right, so then you know you look at the names on this schedule coming back. I mean, there's so many good teams Marquette has to play. Then it's the uh, what will be probably dubbed the uh, Shaka special when the Texas Longhorns come to Milwaukee, um, Texas. Uh, Got to a final four a year ago. They've definitely lost some guys from that team. They also lost their five-star recruit, Ron Holland, who opted to play in the G League instead of going to Texas. But still a good team, a potential top 25 team. It would be a great challenge for Marquette, but it's in Milwaukee. I will take Marquette in this one.
0: Do we all remember what happened last year when a Texas-based team came to
1: the Fiserv in December? Boat race. Didn't go well for the Baylor Bears. It did not. Nor will it go. That was the first time, honestly. That was the first time last year when we all thought, "Holy crap!" Right. Marquette might be good. Right.
0: That was the eye open because because Baylor was a top five team at that point, and, and right. Marquette just blew the doors off of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, hopefully for similar results against the Longhorns, but in the difference would be Marquette would probably be favored in that matchup against Texas. Uh, and then uh, after that another rivalry game against Notre Dame, a Notre Dame program that, quite frankly, to put it lightly, is kind of in a rebuilding mode under a uh, new coach, uh, Michael Shrewsbury, who came from Penn State. Um, I saw them pretty, I think I saw them picked, like, dead last in the ACC. Mm. Maybe next to last in front of Louisville. Um, oh, man. I, like, I knew they weren't going to be great. I wasn't sure they were going to be that bad, but uh, the bottom line, as far as our little exercise here, Phil, definitely predicting a uh, win at home over the Irish. Yeah, 100%. And then you wrap up with a bye game against Saint Thomas, which I presume you have as a win as well, Phil. Correct. Um, so that means you and I both have them at a whew, very optimistic ten and one in the non-con.
0: If you're gonna if you're gonna win national champions championships, you've got to you've got to beat the big boys when you play the big boys.
1: Yep. So yeah, I that's kind of my mindset too. If we're gonna call this team one of the big boys, I'm calling for a big boy resume as we. Uh, Turn the calendar towards uh, the hol- uh, Christmas holidays and then into the new year. Um, yeah, I got them at ten and one, uh, and I have not ruled out eleven and zero either because I, I really think they can win the Maui Invitational. Um, but I, I do have, as far as my prediction, ten and one. And if they, you know, Paint Touches had posted something about the predictions as far as um, what they can do in the non-conference schedule, what would be good, and I kind of put it as seven wins or fewer would be very humbling and I would we'd say wow this team has work to do eight wins I would call fine but I would probably table final four talk for a while um, nine I would be very excited and they would be a legit top ten ish team ten or more we can keep talking final four national championship
0: yeah I think th- I think that's right I have no notes I would not change anything you just said
1: all right so let's move on to the Big East schedule um, again, we got 20 games here. kind of zip through them pretty quickly. We're probably not going to spend too much time on all the teams. But um, <clears throat> to, before we dive into it, Phil, I think we kind of agreed on this in the last pod, and I think it is kind of the consensus for anyone who follows the Big East. There's a top three, and then there's a line, right? Right. As far a as line the Big line. East this year. Yeah. There's, in some order, Marquette, Connecticut, and Creighton. And then. A couple teams that you think might be competitive and good, teams that can beat you on an off night, like, say, Villanova, maybe St. John's. I don't know who else beyond that. Nah, <laughs> maybe, I think I mean, that's that's
0: probably... Yeah, Nova and St. John's. The... Maybe,
1: maybe Providence, just because they got Hopkins. Hopkins can beat you when he's having a good night and you're having a bad night. Um, but... Yeah, I think there's a clear top three, uh, and then there's a couple teams in the middle that can be frustrating. And I'll, I'll give Xavier the benefit of the doubt, even though I know they've lost some guys. Um, Xavier might be a decent team, but again, I think they're below that what I that what you call the the thick line after the top three.
0: Yeah, I, I think so, I think you're right. I mean, and if we're talking about the the bottom feeders, I mean, almost auto, hmm, automatic wins in air quotes. It's it's got to be some combination of DePaul. Georgetown, Butler, and and honestly, I think Seton Hall is gonna be pretty bad this year too.
1: Yeah. I wasn't uh was DePaul picked last in the, the coaches poll. I would say Butler was way down there. Butler, but, was, like...
0: Butler was ten. Uh DePaul was last. Yeah. Uh and then Georgetown was was actually picked ninth, I think. Okay. No, no, okay. No, no, no. I had that uh, reversed. Georgetown Georgetown was ten, Butler was eleven and, and uh uh, Butler was nine, but still, Butler under a second year. Butler's side, nine, Mata. okay. Yeah, that's it's pretty bad.
1: All right. Well, let, let's just dive into it real quick. Again, we'll just kind of zip through them. We may not break down each team. Again, if you want write-ups on every individual team, crackedsidewalks.com, Alan Bukowski has you covered. All right. Uh, starting off Big East play at Providence, I got it, I got it as a win. 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 Uh, Georgetown at home, oh, that's got to be a definitely win. Definitely a win. Uh, right before New Year, we got Creighton at home. Now, this will be the first big challenge, if talking about one of the other big three at the top. The bummer for me is that the students will not be on campus, but it'll be, I think this is, what, December 30th, so it's New Year's weekend. Uh, hopefully there's enough fans and students in town that we can still have a loud, rowdy five serve. Creighton at home will be a challenge, but I have it as a win.
0: I have it a win as a win because we're not playing on New Year's Eve. We we play Creighton on New Year's Eve. It seems more often than we don't, and those are usually terrible games. I feel like this year it's going to be a win.
1: All right, then we go to Newark after that for Seton Hall. The kickoff, 2024. I got that as a W because I'm with you. For like I don't know if I'll, they'll be like bottom of the conference bad, but I am uh, not. Exactly uh, high on Seton Hall for this
0: year. Yeah, when I when I look at the like the first ten of the Big East schedule, I, I you know Seton Hall being what the the fourth game on the schedule, man, we that schedule shapes up real nice in the first ten. So I I have us beating Seton Hall.
1: Yeah, and then uh, Butler at home again. I I think I, I really think Marquette can win every home game this year. Yep. Uh, spoiler alert. But I think that's kind of where I'm going. But I got Butler at home as a win. Yep. I as do um, I. And then. Nova at home, which should be a nice, loud, rowdy crowd for um pretty good Villanova team, but a team that, again, I think is below that top third. But I think they're going to be out to prove that they're still Nova. Will they be able to do that? We'll see. But uh, I do have them beating Nova at home. Yeah, I
0: think that'll be the first game back for the students from break. So that'll be – that'll
1: be. Yeah, I think actually that is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that might be on Martin Luther King Day. It is, is yeah. Like an afternoon a- – like, I think it's like an afternoon tip, yeah. like a 1 o'clock. Yeah, it's like a 1.30 tip, uh, I think. Tip. All right, so now, before we get too cocky, Phil, Mm. um, maybe we're already already too cocky. I have to fully acknowledge that sometimes in conference play, stuff happens. Sometimes you get upset. Sometimes you go on the road and you play like crap for whatever reason. It's nothing to really, you know, panic about. You just shake it off and say, whew, that was a bad day. On to the next one. I have... On the road at St. John's at MSG is one of those days. Son of
0: a gun. I I, I, don't, just, I, I am not comfortable with the similarity of our thinking on this one. I also have – You have, me- this is a loss I have this as a loss too? I have this as a loss as well.
1: Yeah, see, I, if I'm going to pick like the – ah, crap, that sucked, but shake it off game. I, I think Patino at MSG just feels like that for me. <laughs> that would just be a, a game where, again, the shots don't fall. The whistle go- doesn't go our way. Uh, the crowd is just absolutely electric, and it's like Patino's back. Patino is taken down, which, according to my, which a, a great team, which according to our prediction would be the number one team in the country, right? Which would be a major headline. Um, so yeah, I have stuff happening at MSG, and that's where I have our first Biggie's loss.
0: Well, and and not only that, but like again, if if our prediction is at all accurate, you know, at, at this point in the season, you're talking almost late January the last loss would have been in november right there there might be a you know again like you said shots aren't falling but there are, might also nat- need to be a natural reset of like hey remember you guys are not in, in you know invincible that you still have yeah. to to put in the effort and 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 play smart and and play well to to win games you can't coast and i think st john's with with rick Patino in charge could deliver that that reset blow
1: Yeah, it's just the thing that, like, whether this happens in this St. John's game or just really any other time, whether it's something in the non-con that we're not expecting or just earlier in Biggie's play, inevitably there's going to be a game where you just get humbled a little bit. And it's nothing to, like, again, blow up the whole process and rethink everything you do. Just like, guys, that was not us. Right. We need to be us more often. And, And I think that'll happen at some point. But... That's where that's the game that I have that happening for the first time uh, to Marquette. All right, so, but then I had them rebounding at a House of Horrors playing at DePaul. Um, stuff happens there sometimes too, but I do not have it happening on my predictions. I have that. As well.
0: I'm predicting don't lose to DePaul is dead, and we will be yeah. celebrating another sellout, perhaps DePaul's only sellout all season yet again.
1: Yeah. By the way, I I, I saw um, the DePaul Athletic Department tweet something. Paint touches retweeted it, and they, like, said, come enjoy a DePaul game this year. And, of course, they had a picture of their arena jam-packed. And, of course, as you zoom in, of course, it's the Marquette game. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's it's definitely the Marquette game. Uh, So lots of Marquette fans will be in Chicago for that, or the greater Chicago area, I should say, for that one. Um, Next game, Seton Hall at home. Again, we talked about the Hall already. I got that as a W. Same. At Nova, Mm. tricky game. You know, if Marquette doesn't get tripped up at the Johnnies, this would be maybe a place you take an L as well. But I do not have that happening. I just think, as even though I think Nova could be better this year, um, uh, I, I do think Marquette is a tier above right now. So it's a it's a watch out kind of game. But I have them grinding out a win.
0: Yeah, I I mean. Marquette didn't get tripped up at the Finner Inn, you know, when, when Jay Wright was there coaching, right, uh, in Shaka's first year. So I don't see them getting tripped up this, this time around either, and I've got it as a win.
1: Yeah, Shaka hasn't lost to Villanova yet, has he? I don't believe so, no. Yeah, yeah not yet. Uh, but all right, so then at Georgetown after that, Georgetown is uh, retooled with Ed Cooley, but I still think he's got work to do. That's not a game I'm overly concerned about. W.
0: Uh, yep it's also a w and and quite frankly the stadium might have burned down by now by that moment because um oh no never mind georgetown is playing at providence the game before they play us so all the players uh. may be suspended from a brawl so you know we may be playing all the uh, all the the managers and walk-ons
1: a team that's perhaps emotionally exhausted after that one. All right. So then the rematch with Patino and the Johnnies, this one at home. Uh, I expect the Marquette fans to give Patino all he can handle a very loud crowd for that one. And I have Marquette beating the Johnnies for that one.
0: Yeah. You only need 16, 17 seconds for Patino. Um, <laughs> and uh, yes, I also have it as a win.
1: All right. Then after that, going uh, to Hinkle, Tick on Butler. Uh, again, a, a Butler team that has a ton of transfers. Uh, they've really kind of retooled, but I'm not sure that they're all that great. Um, we'll see, but I have that as a win for Marquette.
0: Yeah, it's like, I, I, I think Butler's going to end up being like, if you tried to get Transformers and Voltron robots to, to like form a larger robot, like they just don't fit and it doesn't work. So I have that as another win for uh, for Marquette.
1: All right, so we get... Well into February before we finally see our friends at Connecticut, mm. uh, Marquette at Yukon. um, I have this one as a loss. It was again, that was the really the only game last year where Marquette really was just flat and just from the jump, it they just didn't like look, look like it was gonna be their night. Uh, I have I don't think it'll be as ugly this time around, but I do have Marquette losing at Connecticut.
0: um I have them winning, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record and say. I think Yukon might be a touch overrated. You have the hangover of winning a national championship. You're also ever all the all the talk of Yukon of being really, really good again hinges entirely around Donovan Klingen, who, you know, being the starting center, taking all those minutes from Adama Sinogo, and you know, he's already out for a bit with a foot injury, and he's never, you know, never put in those kind of minutes that that a long season grind could be and and not playing us in mid-February I think that may start to wear on UConn by then so I I have that as a
1: victory uh Alan definitely agrees with you on Connecticut by the way if you read his write-up um he actually has Connecticut finishing fourth in the league he has Mm, I don't know that I'd go that far but but uh for those reasons though that you brought up is that is you know the what we saw in the limited minutes from Klingon are we going to get that in full minutes, or will his fouls per forty, uh, which was well over five, become an issue? Um, and could he be sitting out a lot of minutes? And there's not a lot of depth behind him right. in the middle for Connecticut. Um, so that that's that was Allen's case for why Connecticut might not have a great regular season. Of course, they can always turn it on and win the national championship in the tournament, which is kind of what their MO is. But um, th- that if if you're looking for a case why Connecticut may not be the top team in the Big East. You kind of laid it out right there, and Alan does it uh, in article form as well. But uh, I do have it as a loss So you. Have, so that's the first time we've actually had different um, right. predictions. Uh, yeah. We've pretty much been lock and step the whole way. Uh, we'll probably be the same on these next few, though. Uh, I got a win at home against DePaul after that.
0: Uh, agreed. Not going not gonna to stumble there, I don't think.
1: And then... We wait a long time before we see Sean Miller for the first time. This uh, first game against Xavier uh, is right after DePaul. I got that as a win.
0: I've got it as a win, too. I mean, quite frankly, at at this point in the season, Xavier, they might be decent. They might be good. But there's also a non-zero chance they could have fallen apart at this point. They are depending on a lot of unexpected, unheralded, unknown European transfers. And, you know, if anyone could pull it together, Sean Miller can. But there's a yes. ch- there's a chance that Xavier is in a bad way when he gets to this point.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're going to win the league or even not necessarily, like, be near the top of the league. But if I had to pick, like, a surprise team, like a team picked in the bottom half that we look up in late February and they're, like, really good and, like, in good spot to make the tournament, Xavier would be in my pick just because of Sean Miller. Right. Like I, I think he could figure something out. So again, I, I wouldn't want to pick somebody in the bottom half of the league to do that, but if I had to pick someone, my pick would be Xavier. But I have it as a win here. Then we get the Providence Friars. I got that as a win.
0: Uh as do I. I just I I have no faith in Kim English, especially year one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's got some work to do, but he does have Hopkins to work with and like but I think Hopkins can't do everything. You you can't build the whole team out of Bryce Hopkins, unfortunately. Correct. All right. So, we talked about this in the last pod when the Big East schedule dropped. We're, this is winning, what I call winning time, these last three games. Yep. You got at Creighton, then you got Connecticut, then you got Xavier. Um, if Marquette is, as we anticipate, in the hunt for a Big East title, uh, maybe in position to close it out, this is when you close it out cause with these three games. Uh, but the first one I think will be a challenge when you go to Creighton. That's always a tough place to go. Although Marquette has fared maybe better there than a lot of other teams have, but I have uh, the trip to Creighton as a loss. Um,
0: I also have it as a loss. Um, I think you know Marquette has to stumble somewhere, or you know is going to. You know Creighton is a very good team playing in Omaha with all those nightmare fans is 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 challenging. So I, I do think Marquette probably loses this one.
1: But I think they bounce back at home against Connecticut for the next one yeah I agree
0: yeah I I agree that's going to be a win because I think this is now what we'll see but again I think UConn Creighton and Marquette will be neck and neck for the for the Big East title and you know I think if you get north of 16 wins in the Big East you're pretty good shot you're going to win the the Big East title so I I think beating UConn there um after losing to Creighton on is the most likely scenario
1: by the way, that is a senior day, so that's when we will likely be saying goodbye to Oso. We're not sure about Tyler, maybe. We might be saying goodbye to Tyler Kolick, but not 100% sure yet. We're going uh, to see what the, his, you know, because both those guys have COVID years to use, but it is a it is a senior day, but we'll, again, we'll see what they decide. But senior night, Connecticut at home, perhaps a chance to close out the Big Eats title got that as a W. Then Marquette ends the season on the road at Xavier. Again, I think a a team that will be tough and perhaps Connecticut and Creighton might be pulling for Xavier to do them a solid and hand Marquette a loss, Um, but I do not think it will happen. I think Marquette closes with a W.
0: Yeah, I I think Marquette closes with a W as well because they'll be, at this point, they'll they'll want no blemishes uh, on their record, right? Losing to St. John's is you know, depends on how St. John's season goes might be a touch of a blemish, but you know, I, I think they're going to want to close it out and, and have a really, really strong case for that number one seed in the NCAA tournament.
1: All right. So speaking of number one seeds, if uh, some, I don't know if you guys have been doing the math as we've been going through this, but we are at the end and who oh boy, Phil mm. 28 and three. Yep. 18. I and told two you the I Big fixed East. the problem. I fixed the problem. Yeah. Uh and me not that far off 27 and 4 17 and 3 that's the pessimistic version
0: Yep yep and and let's end that's the pessimistic of, version results in a big east title again
1: Yeah that, that like 27 and 4 with 17 and 3 in the league that's not just a big east title that's probably a one seed Yep 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 Th- That's uh that's a lot of Ws buddy
0: We've been uh we've been drinking the Kool-Aid a, and uh boy is it delicious. It is delicious.
1: Oh, it is so good. Give me some more. Give mm. me it as uh Mai Tai in mm. Honolulu in Honolulu. Oh that is uh That's a lot of wins. That's well, uh I, I again, think... if we if we undershoot it, if we're both under the prediction, <laughs> um that's the It's a National Titan Championship waiting to happen, buddy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, we are optimistic, and there's no reason not to be, right? When you're a preseason top five team, when you're bringing back this much experience, when you're bringing back, you know, you've got a coach who seems to do so well with uh, team cohesiveness and unity, and uh, they just have every... There's every reason to believe this team that thinks they could be good. And, yeah, so we're a Marquette Basketball podcast. Maybe we're more optimistic than we should be, but I don't think we're that far off, man. I... What? I really think our predictions are attainable. This isn't just a pie in the sky, everything is awesome all the time, like predictions say, "Oh yeah, our very mediocre team could win the national title." No, this is a very good team that could win the national title. And I I I do not think our picks are irrational.
0: I I agree, and I think what's 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 staggering is not and not since the 70s, right? Neither one of neither one of us has has lived through the 70s, right? But not since the 70s. We have not. Has Marquette been this highly regarded, this highly ranked, um, this talented? Because, like, you know, it's revisionist history to say, oh, yeah, we in 2003, we knew that team was going to go to the Final Four. No. We knew that team would be solid. We knew that team would be mm-hmm. good. But there was no one saying, you know, in November, that is a Final Four caliber team. Right. And, and right. Y- you know, we got there by the end of that season. Right. By by February or March, we started to feel like, hey, we got a we had a special team here. But this is like and it's not just Marquette fans saying it right. It's national media. It's AP voters. It's the number. It's Matt the Norlander
1: Has us as the number two team in the
0: country. Right. Number two. So yeah. so like Marquette fans need to wrap their head around this is a very talented team that has the potential to be doing something really special. And when you think about it, even if Marquette stumbles in big East play, and let's say the pessimistic version, worst case, right? Like if I look at everything goes wrong, you know, and by everything, I mean like not like seven people on the roster are injured for the season or whatever. Right. But like reasonable, everything's gone wrong. We still finish like, 15 and five you know which that could still win a big East title you know like right
1: the thing is like like let's say even if there are say a few extra losses let's say maybe I do an adjustment and say okay we also lose at Nova and get swept by Connecticut and get an upset loss here or there and say we do finish say 13 and seven in the Big East I would still be once we got to the tournament to the bracket I would say this team still has all the pieces to make a run to the final four right. Right. Still, right. So, yeah. I, I again, barring again, injuries can derail any season. So injuries aside, uh, if this team stays together uh, health wise, they will be should be able to put themselves in a good position to make a run in that tournament. Again, it, it, the the tough thing about the tournament is it can be unpredictable, and you get a tough draw, or you get a bad bounce, or whatever, get an injury, and then your season is gone. But All you can do is put yourself in the best position to get the best seed, the best draw. And if you can get a one or a two seed, you mathematically have a better shot of getting to the Final Four. And I think that's what that team just has to get to. And I think they absolutely can. I think they absolutely will. And they've been talking about it in all their preseason interviews. Yeah, we want to get to the Final Four. National Championship game's on Shaka's birthday. We want to be there playing for them. And gosh, I hope they are. And, whew, again, I had 27 wins and you had 28. Dang, that's a lot.
0: Yeah. But, uh, well, and think about it's it. It's not ridiculous. It's it's not ridiculous, but you know, and think about it. We're doing this with a coach that's still younger than the national average for age for coach. Like yep. like this is this is dynasty building stuff. I mean, one of the things that's going to be key actually for this season, I think, is Shaka building that depth. You know, from both an experience and a a capability standpoint. So, you know, there's the argument to be made that Marquette played so poorly against Michigan State because Tyler Kolick hurt his hand. Right. So so clearly, you know, we we couldn't be successful with an injured Tyler Kolick. We're gonna have to build depth this year because injuries happen. We're gonna have to make sure that maybe not that like we can wish you know it's not that oh yeah Tyler Kohler goes down we don't we don't care our our Big East preseason Player of the Year eh whatever that's not the that's not the redundancy we're building it's the um, it's the hey we we got to be able to ride through it we need to be able to overcome and that's what this season is gonna be about especially in a fair amount of the Big East. Where there are, you know, three or four teams that we can roll the ball out a little bit and go play, build that depth so that we're we're going to be successful long term.
1: Yeah, you know, an interesting thing uh, Tyler said at media day. It was just kind of a throwaway line, so it's not like we're. Hold them to it or anything, but um, you know he said talked about some of his goals and uh, yeah he said he wants to get to the final four wants to win national championship and he said he wants to make his teammates better and they asked him like what's something he's working on he's like you know I want to I want to just lift up everybody around me I want to be Marquette's all time assist leader Um, now to do that he would need to average like 14 assists a game this year Um, or he would need to come back next year which he could. So there's it's possible that we could have two more years of Tyler Kolek, but again, that's more of an April decision than a now decision. But if you're talking about building depth, you may have two years of Tyler Colic here, but if you don't, if he decides to uh you know, end his college career and see what's next for him, then yeah, you you're you are building depth with Sean Jones and Trey Norman and whatever like point guards you may be recruiting uh for next year. So I thought it was an interesting kind of comment. It's like, I don't like when he says, "I want to be Marquette's all-time assist leader." Did he mean this year, or did he say <laughs> Is he thinking I got two years to do it? I'm just curious what, uh, what, he, what he was thinking when he said that. Again, it was kind of a throwaway line that I probably don't need to dive too deeply into. But I'm just curious when he says that, is he saying it with the mindset of "I got a year to do it," or "I have two years to do it"?
0: I mean, yeah, he has to know how many assists he have left and what what it would take this season if it were this last season right like he's not going to say that without knowing what what hill he has to climb right
1: yeah now i suppose if he has six extra games in march uh Mm. that changes the math a little bit and maybe it's closer to 12 assists a game so who knows who knows i just thought that was interesting well i mean it could be
0: nine extra games right when you count the big east tournament too
1: yeah, oh, yeah, Big East Tur- right, Biggie's Tournament. So, yeah, there, it could be quite a few extra games. But, you know, going back to what you said, though, about uh, preseason expectations, how, like, it really is – I just got, you know, kind of want to echo what you said. It really is new territory for pretty much any Marquette fan under the age of 50. Like, we have never gone into a season – and maybe even Marquette fan under the age of 60, really, because, you know, even when you are a kid, you probably weren't even thinking of Marquette basketball. But, um, like, gone into a season thinking national championship – is a legit possibility, like not since the Al McGuire days in the seventies, because yeah, there are like, since you and I have been fans, Phil, which was starting in 1999, uh, like the first year of the Crean era. Yeah. There've been good teams. Like maybe we thought the O three team would be decent, but we didn't, we weren't thinking final four national title that year. I would say the season that we probably went in with the, maybe the most expectations really uh, is, Honestly crazy it was probably Buzz's first year just because like it was all those seniors, but we weren't probably weren't sure about Buzz at that time. Right. Like, yeah, we have all these seniors, a team that we probably would have thought could win a final four in a national title with Crean, but can Buzz do it with this group? But Buzz kept the group together, maybe there was some optimism, but I don't remember anybody saying that team could win a national title. No. Um, no, not at all. I, I mean And like other than that, like I don't remember a season when I was really that optimistic in October, right? Like, maybe, like, when the uh, – before Hauser-Geddon happened, um, maybe after, like, that uh, 2019 season when it looked like Howard and the Hausers were all coming back and Marquette was going to be a preseason top-10 team. Yeah, maybe we were optimistic that April. Then the Hausers left, and it was a non-factor but by the time the season started. And we were actually making predictions on that team. like I just do not remember a time in the last 20, 25 years when people were saying this time of year that, yeah, Marquette is good enough to win a national title. It is uncharted territory for us. And are maybe some of us getting a little cocky for it? Yeah, maybe. But this team may justify that. I don't say cockiness or confidence, maybe is the way I want to say it. This team may justify that confidence, and they could do it relatively soon if they uh, go out and win... The Maui Invitational
0: well I think I think the thing is that this this level of expectation and belief has has not been seen in this fan base in you know again four decades and you know people are gonna react to that in all sorts of different and unique ways right like they're like if we get a lot like if we go one and two in the Maui Invitational all of our hey this is the greatest field in Maui history and all that stuff is gonna some folks, that's going to go out the window, right? Everyone's, oh, my God, sky is falling. Team is awful. It yeah. Does, doesn't matter that they might have lost to Gonzaga and, and UCLA, who are, you right. know, top, top 25 teams, right? Um, so I, I think how the fan base handles this will be fascinating because I think everything we're seeing out of this team is the team is like, hey, we know where we're going, we know what we're doing, everything is an objective to get to that to that final destination. And we're gonna ride through, right? And and that's the thing about Shaka is is this is the first time I've truly ever experienced in my in any of my sports fandoms where you have a marriage of like culture and accomplishment that like you know that they almost kind of like counterbalance each other right the culture rides yeah. through the bad times the the performance supports the culture right and and i i just think it's going to be a unique experience this year to 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 watch this team you know kind of go through its paces and and you know it'll be fascinating to see if the team itself gets any self doubt because i know i'm sure yeah. the fan base will at some point
1: the one thing I am, the one thing I am very confident of is the coaching staff and the players will handle setbacks better than any fan
0: will. Hundred
1: percent, a hundred percent, myself included. That, I mean, that includes th- th- me. Th-
0: thank God, thank, thank God, Twitter's dying, right? So we don't, you know, in yes. in January or February, if we suffer a bad loss, we don't have to, we don't have to watch the virtual gnashing of
1: teeth. Yeah, we'll just scream into the void on blue sky or threads or whatever becomes the thing. I'm going back Uh, to my
0: I'm going back to my Facebook uh, you know thing whatever I'm just going to yell at all the 70 year olds on Facebook
1: I'm going to see if MySpace is still a thing and see if you're still in my top 10 friends Um, if not you know maybe I'll make make some adjustments see if I who else I can get in my top 10 friends
0: you you know here here's a good question what what music what musical artist do we think is still on our face on our MySpace
1: pages oof Mine's probably still the goo goo dolls.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good call. I think I probably I'm gonna guess breaking Benjamin is gonna be my guess. Yeah. It, it was just angsty and rock enough for in the yeah. to, to still be there.
1: I, I bet I go back and it's like nickelback or something, and I'm like, oh my god, what was I thinking?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh no. I think Nickelback's making a comeback. I don't know. Could be.
1: Well, I mean, Creed has made a comeback. So, oh, that! You know, that you know,
0: like, <laughs> I'd much rather Nickelback than Creed, but this is not a musical podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. We'll, we'll do our music thoughts after the season. There you go. Uh, we'll, we'll
0: do an yeah. entire when we're celebrating the national championship. We'll, uh, we'll do an entire power ranking of uh, Canadian power power rock bands.
1: All right. Well, yeah, that sounds good. We'll we'll plan on that for April after the national championship. But uh, hey, how optimistic are you compared to us? More? Less? Boy, I'd love to hear if you're more. Ooh. You 31 and O'ers out there, let us know. But uh, again, as Phil mentioned, you can reach us on Twitter X. Uh, I am Joe McCann3, as long as the site is still up. <laughs> Phil is M O O O F 23 at Crack Sidewalks, is the team handle. Uh, you can go to cracksidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you get our podcast every week. Uh, I guess this may be, I don't not sure if we'll get another one in before the Ryder game. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Um, But we will definitely do this weekly once the season gets going. I say Ryder. Northern Illinois is the first game I meant. But anyway, I don't know if we'll get another one in before the first game. But we will do this podcast weekly for those of you new to the pod. We do record usually on Sunday nights, and we have it out to you by Monday mornings to – Recap the week that was and preview the week that is to come. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Make sure you get all of our podcasts. And uh, yeah, anything else, Phil? You wanted to add before we wrap this up? No, I, I'm
0: I'm just so excited for the season. Like I like trembling I in anticipation,
1: type of excited. I am very excited. I can feel the excitement among all the Marquette fans who are still using Twitter X and those who have found me on Blue Sky or whatever. Are else. you on Blue Sky? Uh, Do I need to be there? Uh, thing is, I'm on it, uh, but like, I don't use it like at all. Every time I check it, it's like ten posts, and half of them are Spencer Hall, and the other half are Anonymous Eagle, and like no one else posts there. So, like, <laughs> like there, there's like no, like no one uses it. Sorry, like I, I, I don't get the hype. Like, like, as, for all of its flaws, Twitter is still where I go for social media until that freaking thing dies. You know, it's it's where the new, like people who share news or whatever—that's where they are. I'm sorry, no. I, I I don't get blue sky. Well, I just don't.
0: here's here's the question: When Marquette wins a national championship, will we still be tweeting on X?
1: Yeah, uh, I think yeah. Will it still be around? I probably so. That's that's my it, bold prediction.
0: Twitter X will it, yeah. still exist when we win a national yeah, I, championship. Yeah, I think it'll still
1: be there. It may be still worse as they continue to fix things that aren't broken, um, but. Yeah, I think he'll still be around, and I probably will not have gone all in on Blue Sky by then. But or Threads, I still I have Threads too, but again I don't use it. Like, cause I, there are some people who post like on Twitter and Threads and Blue Sky all the time. and but man, why? that seems exhausting. But why? That just, that just, whew, that's exhausting. All right, we've digressed again. We can, uh, we'll do like our breakdown of social media apps in our, uh, you know, that'll May that, that, podcast. Yeah,
0: that'll be our May podcast when we're really vibing <laughs> on the national t- national title.
1: But again, follow us, rate, re- review, and subscribe. And until next time, seashells and balloons, everybody.